Hi, welcome to Coast Hills Church Weekend Online Sermon by Pastor Chet Lowe. We invite you to attend our services on Sunday at 10 o'clock a.m. and 5 o'clock p.m. Our address is 5 Pursuit, Lisa Viejo, California, 92656. We hope to see you soon, and God bless. This morning, um, if you want, we're going to read the scripture together. You can read it off the screen, or there's a Bible in front of you. Um, We're going to be looking at Psalm 126. As I said, I'm the principal at uh, Calvary Chapel Schools, and so I really like oral recitation. You know what I'm saying? So um, if you would, if you'll read it with me orally together, let's read uh, Psalm 126. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. We are glad. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like streams in the Negev. Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. He who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. Amen. You may be seated. This morning, we're going to be going through the second half of John chapter 16. So if you want to turn in your Bible to John chapter 16, we're going to pick it up where Pastor Chet left off last week in verse 16. And just to kind of give us the reminder, John spends a lot of time in the little bit of time before the crucifixion. So there's a lot of conversations, there's a lot of intimate knowledge that we get about Jesus and his disciples and the time before the crucifixion. This is that time. In John chapter 16, he's been talking about the gift of the Holy Spirit and he's been, he's give, been giving them instruction in a lot of different ways. And he is going to give them some really important truth in this section of scripture. They are about to encounter the darkest day of their life, the most difficult struggle that they will ever go through, and probably the greatest scare that they will ever have. This moment will be a defining moment. In their life. And Jesus is going to give them truth to get them through it. Now, what I think is interesting about this is he doesn't tell them to run. He doesn't try to stop their suffering. He doesn't protect them from the problem. He could have told them what's going to happen and then said, listen, listen, this is it's going to get really bad. It's going to get really scary. So why don't you guys go, you know, take a vacation Go down to Egypt, right? You guys should get out of town because it's going to get ugly. He he doesn't tell them that. In education right now, there's a a new term for parents. How many of you guys have ever heard of the term uh, a helicopter parent? Helicopter parent, right? That's the person, that's the parent that kind of hovers over their child and that, you know, kind of comes down at any time of emergency and rescues them from that. And it's kind of a negative thing, right? I mean, it's good to hover over your child in a little way. What's, what's kind of interesting I've seen lately 
is that I think sometimes we flip-flop the, the biblical model. When they're young, we need to train them. And then when they're older, we need to let them work through their trouble. Sometimes, sometimes we don't train them much in the beginning, and then we just like kind of rescue them from their trouble um, when they get older, which becomes problematic as they try to grow up. Here's the new term, though, not the helicopter parent, but the lawnmower parent, the lawnmower parent, right? Has anybody heard of this one? Just out of curiosity, a few people. Lawnmower parent is the parent that goes before their child and mows down any obstacles that they might encounter. (laughs) This is the path my child is going to be walking, so, right? They mow down the obstacles. That's, that's That's a new term. Now, I want you to notice, here's the interesting thing. Jesus, and I will say God, the Father, is not a lawnmower parent. We might like him to be, right? Can't you just go before him and just like mow down every obstacle for me? Can't you just like mow down every problem for me? It's like, no. And what we're going to see this morning is that there's a purpose in the problems. There's a purpose in the pain, There's a purpose that God is using in our lives. So he's going to give them the truth that they need to survive the future difficulty. To get through it, to get past it, to overcome the obstacles. That's really the idea here is he wants them to overcome the obstacle. But Jesus, he doesn't, he's not the kind of person that says, hey, you know, do what I say, but not what I do. In John chapter 12 Verse 27, Jesus said this, Now is my soul troubled. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I have come to this hour. See, he he links these two things together, and we're going to see that they are often linked together. This idea of trouble and purpose. And so I'm going to take, I'm going to use very generic terms. You're going to notice I'm going to like throw everything kind of negative all in one bucket. We're just going to refer to that as this, this trouble or this sorrow or the pain or whatever it is, because I think that's kind of how we do it anyway. I don't know about you, but I like to like, just kind of like, I compartmentalize a lot of things. This is bad and goes in this bucket right here. This is bad, it's painful, it, it's hard, it hurt me. Like, whatever it is, we're just going to put it in this bucket. And we're going to make reference to it and see that this bucket has great benefit. A lot of us would like to see God take that bucket and just, like, take it to the trash. Get rid of it. I don't want to see it. I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to go through it. I don't want to remember it. And God says, no, in that bucket bucket of crud is great benefit to you. So pain is often the path to purpose. That's what, that's what we're going to see this morning. If we try to avoid the pain, we are in danger of either missing or being unable to walk the path of purpose. A lot of times in our culture right now, especially, we classify pain as negative. 
right? Pain is like to be avoided. That's the world's view. That's our flesh's view. But that's not a biblical view. Pain is part of a process. Pain has great purpose. So Jesus will give them the truth about the pain so they will be able to walk the path to their purpose. And that's what I want to do for you this morning. I want to give you the truth to make it through the pain, the trouble, the sorrow, the problems in a way that you find the purpose. So John chapter 16, verse 16 Right here, Jesus says, a little while and you will see me no longer. And again, a little while and you will see me. So some of his disciples said to one another, what is this that he says to us? A little while and you will not see me. And again, a little while and you will see me. And because I'm going to the Father. So they were saying, what does he mean by a little while? We do not know what he is talking about. They've been with Jesus three years of deep, intimate discipleship, and they're still confused. They're the kid in the class that really helps the curve. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Oh, perfect. I'm glad you got a D because that really helps me out. He's saying a little while. They're still confused, and they don't even know enough to ask him, but That doesn't disturb Jesus too much. He's a good teacher. He knows they don't understand. But here's the first point that I want to give you this morning. Sorrow brings confusion. It just does. They're they're sorrowful and they are confused. And that is a very common reaction. I am sorrowful. I feel bad. I don't know what's going on, and I feel confused. We'll talk about this later, but one of the first things that oftentimes we ask is, why? I'm, I'm confused. I don't get it. I don't see it. I don't know why this is happening. Why did it have to rain on my parade, right? This week uh, for, for Calvary Chapel High School, it was homecoming. So Friday night was our homecoming. It rained. All over everything, right? All the things they set up for the outside dance area and the karaoke and, you know, this, all this stuff. It was like blowing over. And my ASB director was like, God must not be on my same page here. What is going on? How, why is this happening? Confusion. I was like, well, at least it wasn't our football game because then that would have been even worse, right? Lightning. So... Jesus knows they're confused. He's going to give them some truth. But I want you to notice the second point is this. Sorrow is always a little while. He describes it as a little while. And for us as believers, sorrow is always a little while. Another writer in the scriptures referred to trouble as a light momentary affliction. But if you know anything about Paul's light momentary affliction, I wouldn't classify it as light or momentary. It was like lifelong and really hard. 
But he's like, in the light of eternity, it's light and momentary. It's just a blip of time. If you could drag out all of eternity on a timeline and just went forever and ever and ever, your however many years you get is just this little spot. 50 years, 80 years, 100 years. It's just like that in eternity. So it's always a little while. For them, it specifically was going to be a few days, a little while. But in eternity, all sorrow and all suffering and all trouble will be gone. All tears will be wiped away. And so it truly is only a little while. In light of eternity, sorrow is always a little while. In the middle of suffering, it feels like it will never end, right? It's like when you have a two-year-old. Like, will this ever end? (laughs) Then they turn three and four, right? And and then they're 16 and you're like, wow, two. I hardly even remember that. I wish there were two again. I could just pick them up and put them where I want them. It goes quick. The days are long, but the years are short. And Jesus says it's just a little while. But the other thing that I like about that is that he is, he's saying it's a little while and that it has a, a beginning and an end. That it's not going to go on forever, that there is a beginning and an end to it, and there will be an end to the sorrow. I promise that because he promises that. And it's when you step into eternity or it's at the end of this week, I, I don't know. But I can tell you it will end. It will be a little while and then it will be over and just a light momentary affliction. So verse 19, Jesus knew that they wanted to ask him. So he said to them, is this what you're asking yourselves? What I meant by saying a little while and you will not see me. And again, a little while and you will see me. Sometimes we like Jesus is such a mind reader. I'm sure that was not difficult, (laughs) right? They're just like, that look on their face, like, I don't know what he's saying. What is he talking about? Like, hey, is this what you want to know? Now, here's the funny thing. When we see his explanation, you'll notice he didn't help them out any. It is actually, it gets worse. He's like, hey, did you guys want to know about this little while thing? Were you asking about that? They're like, yes, yes. He's like, yeah, don't worry about that. I'm not going to tell you. He doesn't tell us, usually, how long the little while is. Just a tip for you. This is a freebie. (laughs) He rarely tells us, a little while is going to be three days. A little while is going to be three years. A little while is going to be 30 years. He, He just says, hey, it's a little while. Let's walk through this together. So verse 20, here comes his explanation. You'll see it doesn't get better. It's not really that helpful. Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament. Uh, That's not our question. (laughs) But the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. See, Jesus doesn't tell them what they want to know. He tells them what he wants them to know. And you don't always get the answer that you're looking for. You get the answer that you need. For the path that he has you on. 
He's like, listen, I'm not going to tell you how long this little while is because it doesn't really matter. What really matters is that you understand you're going to weep and you're going to lament. Those are really strong words. And I think, um, I don't know if you're, you know, if you're like, if you're like me and you've heard the, the story of the crucifixion and you've heard the gospel several times, many times, and, and you just kind of like, yeah, I've seen the movie, I've, I've read the book, and, you know, I get that. Wow, that was, ah. Have you ever wept in a hopeless, bitter grief? That's what this word means. Have you ever lamented? to bewail as those who mourn. If if we don't understand the depth of this sorrow, we won't be able to apply the truth of his promise. Because we just kind of think, yeah, Jesus said this, but you don't know my grief, but you don't know my pain. You don't know how I wail You don't know how I weep. And Jesus says, yeah, I do. I do. And I know you are, and I know you will. But he doesn't try to stop it. That doesn't make him a bad dad. He knows this path has purpose. And so he tells them what they need to know this is where you're going it's gonna get worse you're you you're sad right now because you're kind of lost you don't know what's going to happen but you are going to wail and mourn can can you just just imagine for a moment this idea that that a man that you love and respect and look up to and has helped you is betrayed and taken into a court and beaten and wrongfully convicted and spit upon and humiliated and whipped and crucified and jeered at and dies. That's the that's into the gut. It's not, a, it's not a small bit of like, well, this is trouble. This is like, oh, I don't even know what to say. I, I, I'm overwhelmed. He knows that's where they're going. But then he tells them this little bit. Look at this. But your sorrow will turn into joy. But your sorrow will turn into joy. That's my third point for you this morning. Sorrow can transform into joy. There's something different about this sorrow. There's something different about this sadness. There's something different about this situation. And that he says turns into joy. It turns into joy. That's, when I was reading this passage and going through the scripture, I was like, whoa. Whoa. At one point, it is sorrow. At one point, it is wailing, pain. And yet, in 
in another moment, it becomes joy. Is that amazing? You remember the scripture that we read? You sow in tears and you reap joy. How does that work? It doesn't look like that. You know, you put a seed in the ground and it's this like nasty little thing. It looks like a rock, right? It's like there's a hardly, I mean, I don't, I, don't I, I kill everything. Like I've got a couple, I had a plant. I don't have a plant anymore. I had a bamboo. How hard is it to have a bamboo plant, right? In my office, I killed that thing. So I don't know that much about plants and stuff, but I can tell you, I've never seen like a good looking seed. I can't remember seeing any seed that I was like, wow, how pretty is that? Oh, look at that. It's such a cute little seed. It's like, it looks like a rock, a piece of dirt. I don't know. Why don't you just bury it? And then it comes up. And I've seen many plants that I was amazed by. Many flowers, much fruit, where I was like, wow, that's amazing. Can you, can you believe that like, this little tiny apple seed produces this giant tree and all these, all this fruit that's hanging off there? The unexpected of sowing tears and reaping joy. In the, in the Greek, this word is kind of interesting. It's genomai, genomai, to cause to be to arise, to be born. Isn't that interesting? That out of sorrow, Jesus says, will be born joy. And it's very interesting because he's going to give them an example. He's going to give them an example in verse 21. Check this out. Look at the example he chooses. It's It's a very particular example. Verse 21. When a woman is giving birth... She has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. Now, it takes a little while to forget the anguish, right? (laughs) It's like, it takes a little while. But then it's like, I don't even remember that. Let's do that again. (laughs) Are you crazy? Here's the fourth point. Pain and purpose are united in birth. Pain and purpose are united in birth. Isn't this crazy that Jesus specifically chooses this example? There's great pain and great purpose in its new life. Purposely, maybe one of the most painful yet purposeful of all human experiences. And so that's what he chooses because he wants them to know out of your sorrow is going to come joy. Out of this pain is going to come purpose. Out of this birthing, is going to come life. And the whole reason why it, it's worth it is because you have life, right? Can you, can you just, you know, can you imagine going through the birth process with not, with not life? 
That's like torture, right? So you're going to, you know, you're going to gain some weights, you're going to like get nauseous, you might throw up a lot, not going to be able to sleep at night. You're going to go through the intense pain of having your insides pushed out of your body, and then there's no purpose. Like, I'll pass on that. But yet, going through all of that, many, many women, praise God, I'm a man, I'm so grateful for that. But many women are like, Let, I want to have a baby, right? Very few people are like, I want to be pregnant. When, even when you say that, you're really just thinking baby, Right? It's like, I want to gain a lot of weight and be nauseous every day. No, that's not it. But I want to see life. I want to have new life. I want to see this happen. And that's what Jesus references to show them this picture that, hey, listen, it's going to hurt like you can't believe it. Right? I. I'm not even going to try to describe, right? It's an insult to try to describe the pain of childbirth. But it's painful. (laughs) Amen? Can you help me out? Amen? (laughs) It's painful, and yet there's joy. Now, we we have three boys, 14, 16, 19. They were all C-section. So I, we really, it was amazing. Honestly, it was like, uh, this is the day we're going to go in, right? This is the time. I'm going to, I loved that. But that's not always how it is. Sometimes it's just like all of a sudden and here it is and you don't know and it just comes upon you. Sometimes you know ahead of time, sometimes you don't, but you're going to go through the process. And, you know, there's that look of pain. Push push, right? You go through that whole thing. And then within a moment, there's this joy, right? Raise your hand if you saw that in your wife's face. Anybody? You know what I'm saying? Like pain to joy within like two minutes, right? You, when is the joy? When they put that little baby right there. You're like, wow, this is the baby. This is it. It's worth it. That's part of the problem we have with pain and suffering. That's part of the problem that we have with problems is when we don't see the purpose, we can't bear the pain. Like, I don't see the purpose. I don't understand it. I can't take it. I don't want it. Make it go away. And yet there's a purpose in it. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a couple purposes. I'm going to give you a few because a lot of times why becomes a very deafening question in our head. And it just rumbles around for a long time. Why, 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 why? And I can't tell you why all the time, but I can tell you some of my whys. So I'm going to tell you, I don't have time to go into it. You wouldn't want to hear it. But from the pain that I have experienced, from the trouble that I've gone through, from the problems that I have had, I can tell you that there are whys. So I'm just going to rattle off a few of them. Suffering. Okay, why? Suffering gets my attention. I have been slapped in the face out of a spiritual slumber by suffering. And now I'm awake. 
Hello. Suffering keeps me humble. I realize my own weakness and need. You're not all fit you thought you were. Feeling all strong, feeling all important. I'm the king of the world. I'm the, I'm the man of the hour. I, I control my own destiny. And then I get the flu. And I'm just like this poor wretch kneeling next to the porcelain toilet, right? Aren't you so mighty now? You think you're in control? <laughs> you can't even control what comes out of you, <laughs> right? Suffering keeps me humble. Suffering helps me mature. It gives me a bigger viewpoint of life to understand how other people live, what other people go through. Suffering strengthens my endurance. I realize I made it through. And I'll make it through again. I get stronger as I go through it. As I make it through, my endurance is strengthened. Suffering keeps me dependent. There's been times where we've had problems, challenges, difficulties, and man, I... I spend a lot more time in prayer. Amen? Anybody else? Come on, help me out, right? It's like, everything's cool. Oh, I missed my devotion time. It's all good. I'm just, it's sunny. I'm happy. It's all good. Oh, I missed that. I don't know. When the, what's the last time I cracked my Bible? I don't know. Then I have a problem. Then I have a situation. Then I have an issue. And I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> He's like, oh, nice to see you again. Welcome back. Suffering helps me understand and empathize with others. I know what it feels like. You can have so many great answers when you haven't suffered. right? You know, that's the danger. I'm just going to say, if you haven't gone through something that really hurt you, and then you find somebody that's really hurting, just shut up. Just don't say anything. Because you don't know. Just be there. Give them a hug. Tell them you love them. There's times and, and you know, great men have, have said similar things that God rarely is able to use a man that hasn't been hurt, that hasn't really suffered. And when Jesus came to live and die, he didn't live a, a you know, a sorrowless life. A trouble-free existence. He was a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, so that he could be a high priest for us that we could come to and say, hey, I've been hurt. And he's like, I know what that feels like. Hey, my dad died. I know what that feels like. Hey, I've been betrayed. I know what that feels like. Hey, it I, I, doesn't look like I'm gonna get married. I know what that feels like. Jesus is the high priest that empathizes with us. He understands. And suffering helps me to be able to do that. Suffering gives me an opportunity to glorify God. When I suffer and walk by faith and Jesus is real and right there, he's glorified. People look at my weakness and see his strength. People look at my trouble and see his glory as I trust him with it, 
as I walk with him, as he walks with me. And lastly, suffering makes a powerful testimony to others. People pay attention to your pain, right? When you see somebody in pain, you're like, oh, wow, ah, how's that going? Right? We look around, we see people that are suffering or we see people that are going through problems or pain and, and we kind of are, uh, we're, we're kind of curious, like, how's this going? Because what if that happens to me? And will I handle it like you? I remember I was, went through a time where I didn't have a job. And God had spoken so clearly and, and directed us so perfectly and provided for us so graciously. And we were just waiting on the Lord for his timing and his purpose. And, and I remember having such peace. And I remember being at the pool. I was hanging out. I had some time, right? Not working. So I'm at the pool. And our neighbor was like, so you've been out of work for a little while. It's like, yeah. He's like, how's it going? I was like, oh, just, you know, praying. God's good. He's providing. I, and I wasn't like making that up. You know, sometimes like, oh, praise the Lord. Everybody's good. Like, I was, it was just like, hey, man, God's so faithful. God's been so good. And he just kind of looked at me like, what are you, crazy? You should be like kind of freaking out. Shouldn't you be kind of freaking out? No, I got a dad that's amazing. I mean, it's just, I'm just walking with him. He's walking through. Suffering makes a powerful testimony to others. So, you have a good shepherd. You have a good father. He's, he's going to walk you through it. You might not always know the why. Deuteronomy 29, 29 says this. this I, I think this is for someone in here. I don't say that lightly. I believe that this scripture is for someone in here. So pay attention. Deuteronomy 29, 29. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. The secret things belong to the Lord, but he will reveal what he desires you to know, and you are responsible to do what you know. That's it. He's like, there's some secrets I'm not going to tell you. You don't need to know. It's on a need-to-know basis, and you don't need to know, right? Don't you hate when people say that? (laughs) But that's how it is, because he's God, and you're not. And it reminds us sometimes when we don't get the full detail that we're not that important. Like, I'm not God. You're important to him. Don't don't take that the wrong way. You're important to him, but you're, you're just like a little speck on the planet in the vast galaxy of his purpose and plan and he loves you and he'll reveal what he wants and other things are secrets and you just got to trust him with it so he keeps going in verse 22 so also you have sorrow now but another but but i will see you again and your hearts will rejoice And no one will take your joy from you. Is that amazing? You will have sorrow, but it is the joy that will last. The sorrow is a little while. 
but it's the joy that is eternal. It's forever. You can bank on it. You can hope in it. The joy will last because I want you to notice the joy is connected to who? The joy is connected to Jesus. When I see Jesus, I will have joy, and that joy will not go away. No one will take your joy from you. It's the vision of Christ in the midst of sorrow that brings joy. Verse 23, in that day you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive that your joy may be full. See, here's a little glimpse of what the pain of Christ will purpose in our lives. I'm going to have a connection to the Father. I'm going to have access to God himself. For the Jewish man hearing this, they're like, wait, what? Sacrifices, offerings, holy of holy, giant veil, die if I come in. And now here Jesus is saying, because of my pain, you access his presence. 25, I've said these things to you in figures of speech. They're like, yeah, yeah, you have. The hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures of speech, but will tell you plainly about the Father. And that day you will ask in my name, and I do not say to you that I will ask the Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you, because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. I came from the Father and have come into the world, and now I am leaving the world and going to the Father. Verse 29, his disciples said, Oh, now you're speaking plainly and not using figurative speech. Now we know that you know all things and do not need anyone to question you. This is why we believe that you came from God. They're, pr- they're pretty excited, right? They're like, yes. Okay, now we get it. Look at verse 31. Jesus answered them, Do you now believe? Behold, the hour is coming. Indeed, it has come when you will be scattered each to his own home, and will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. Jesus knows the sorrow he's going to face, and he knows he's not alone. You and I are not alone in sorrow. But the fifth point is this. Testing reveals reality. They think they believe. They're saying, oh, now we get it. Yes, now we have arrived. We believe you're the son of God. We're solid with you. We know you've come from heaven. But the testing is going to reveal they didn't quite get it. They didn't have it deep. It wasn't quite there. They hadn't quite arrived. And that's a lot of times what testing does. It shows us, so what do you really believe? Right, with the testing of Job. So is Job just a mercenary? Is he just doing this because he gets blessed? Is he doing this because he, he, he gets good stuff? Or is he doing this because this is what he believes? And a lot of times that's what testing does. Testing says, okay, do you trust me still? Do you trust me in the midst of this? Do you trust me when you don't know the answers, you don't get what you want, and it doesn't feel good? Do you still trust me? And the disciples, they weren't able to say yes later. 
before the cross, they're like, yes. After the cross, during the cross, they're like, we're lost. But it's not failure if you learn from it. And they're going to learn from it. And Jesus knows that. In verse 33, he says this, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus says, listen, the peace is in me. The purpose is in me. The overcoming is in me. Jesus overcame the temptation of the world, not just the temptation of sin, but the temptation to sidestep the cross to go his own way. Jesus overcame the power of the world to press him into its mold. No, this is how you should think. This is how you should react. And he overcame that. He overcame the limitations of this world, thinking this life is all there is. Better take care of yourself. You, you, you better avoid the pain. This temporary affliction isn't worth it. He overcame that with the knowledge of eternity. He overcame the hopelessness of the world to think this isn't worth it. He knew it was worth it. In fact, he did it for the joy that was set before him. That's how he made it through. That's how we make it through. Our sixth point is this. Christ is the key to overcoming, to purpose, and to lasting joy. Christ is the key. He overcame by trusting his Father's way and doing his Father's will. That's how you and I will overcome as well. 1 John chapter 5, verse 4 tells us, For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. How do we do that? And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. It is my faith that will help me to overcome the sorrow and the trouble and the tribulations of the world. You guys, it is your faith in Christ that will help you to overcome the trouble and the tribulations that you go through. I can trust that he overcame and he will help me to overcome. I can trust that he is working. I can trust that I have lasting joy after this little while, my joy will never end, and it's worth it. It's worth it. But here's, the, here's a bonus point, okay? Seventh point. Here's a bonus one. None of this is true without Jesus. None of it. None of it is true without Jesus. If you don't have Jesus, if you are not, as 1 John tells us, born of God, if you have not put your faith in Christ, your suffering just sucks. This life is as good as it's ever going to get. As a Christian, you know 
this life is as bad as it's ever going to get. But without Christ, this is as good as it's going to get. Because you've been separated from God. But when you are united with God, you have purpose and power in the midst of your pain and suffering that will last for eternity and will turn into joy. Thank you.